What's up, long players? Welcome to the Long Play Listening Party, the show where we go deep on local music, writing, recording, inspiration, gear, whatever else sounds good to us. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records. Hey, real quick, two things you can do to support the show. Buy artist music on Bandcamp and listen to them on your favorite streaming platform. And please subscribe to the show on YouTube, Instagram, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Whole crew here tonight, starting with Nate Holt. How are you feeling, Nate? I'm great. How How is everybody else doing? <laughs> We're good. The wizard Royce Diamond in the house. How are you feeling, Royce? I'm doing well. Thank you. Fantastic. And uh, welcome to our guests this week, Maria Cuevas and Garrett Nordstrom. We're going to be listening to selections from Maria the Mexican's albums, Moon Colored Jade and South of the Border Moonlight as well as three new singles from Maria. What's up, Maria? Hey, thanks for having us. For sure. Garrett, how are you? Hey, I'm well, Howie. Royce, how are you? Nate, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, man. So, so to get us started, Maria, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be hearing in the next half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah, so we are going to be listening to the evolution of Maria the Mexican and uh, kind of the change into Maria Cuevas um, as a solo artist. Uh, A few tunes from our very first album that was released several years ago, uh, Moon Color Jade, followed up by South of the Border Moonlight, and then three new singles that we uh, have been working on that will be on the upcoming solo album. And the release date for that is TBD. We're still working on it. Nice. Very good. And Nate, you've got something to uh, disclose to the audience here. Tell us a little bit about your <laughs> yes. uh, your connection. <laughs> I actually play in uh, Maria's band. Um, and come to find out, we are actually cousins by marriage. So uh, it's kind of a family affair, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> we love having him on stage with us. I started in a family band. When I was 11 years old in my grandmother's mariachi band, and I'm still in a family band with my cousin, my <laughs> husband, and sometimes my sister. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. It is. <laughs> Tell Maria, uh, so this is our uh, this is our second swing at the, uh, <laughs> at the show here. It is, uh, it is. No, no shame in that. But you were saying something really interesting and I think important for what we're about to hear about uh, the evolution of your sound, uh, where you started with a couple of uh, or, or multiple influences and, and kind of how that is going to change over time. So will you yeah. repeat that? I thought that was really good. Absolutely. So I started my musical journey in my grandmother's mariachi band playing only mariachi. And to switch over to playing in a rock and roll band was definitely a new experience. And it wasn't always easy for me. Um, we formed Maria the Mexican when I met Garrett and he was a longtime rock and roll musician. So he had to learn mariachi I had to learn rock and roll and it it has taken a while and I do believe it is a journey to kind of hone in on our sound and our messaging and what we want to convey. And with the first album, um, you can really pick up on the contrast between the mariachi songs and the English rock and roll songs. And I think, you know, through our journey, we began to create a mezcla, a mix of the, of the two. And I'm even more excited for the third album coming up because I feel like we've been really able to weave in all of the influences in our full band. Now we have a conga player who also plays the trumpet, you know, Nate on keys. We have traditional rock and roll instruments, 
um, drums, you know, bass, uh, electric guitar. I'm on acoustic. Sometimes my sister's there on violin. And so it really is this hybrid or this mix of all of these influences, which is, you know, just a reflection of who I am and who many of us are. Word. And the first song's coming up, but Garrett, I mean, what's your, you've got the flip side of that coin, right? Tell us about your experience coming from the other side. Uh, the other side. Uh, well, I was a, a Kansas City musician, uh, jam band guy that uh, moved to Kansas City in the uh, middle 2000s. Uh, and, you know, I hooked up with Maria about uh, 2011, maybe, something yeah. like that. Well, Maria stole my heart, and then a couple of days later, she stole the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is actually, I love that this song. It's El Cascadel. Um, I used to play this in my grandmother's mariachi band, so it's been around a long time. It's a, definitely a mariachi standard, and um, the violin part is, is just amazing. So I love to open a show or end a show with this, and it just really gets the energy building. Um, it's one of my most favorite songs to play. this album recorded was it recorded over a, a, like a long period of time or like a longer period of time or did you know did you have the songs you wanted to do and, and kind of get them or recorded them sort of traditionally like like you would a regular album I think we're talking 2012 the spring and summer of 2012 the whole year, I think, by 2013, we mixed it in the spring, and it was out in the summer that year. Yeah, I would say this was like the quickest album that we did, um, okay. because, you know, when you're just a new band, I think you have a lot of material, and it was easy to put together. What did, what, what, what did putting it together look like? like how did you get all those people together and, and, and come up with this style of music that's kind of that fusion that you're doing? Well, it really was Garrett's idea. Um, he was, I like used to call him the mastermind of MTM. <laughs> um, but I mean, this song, like my sister and I were like, hey, what about this song? And we played it for him. He was like, what? Um, and then it, we said, let's play it with drums and I mean, it's not, this is a very traditional song. So to put it to drums with an electric guitar and a bass guitar was definitely a new idea. I haven't heard another band do it. And it just worked, like it just immediately worked. This is one of my favorite um, parts of the violin too. It's kind of like the peak of the song. We were able to take the band that we had into a, into a studio and cut 18 songs and in four days. So I think that's why it went so well. We just put everybody in that studio and we did it. So I think it was a 12 or 13 song. We still have five songs from that session. We're sitting in cans. 
Um, we had a drummer come in from Nashville who's Lester Estelle. Uh, you guys might know Lester Estelle too. He, mm-hmm. He's with Kelly Clarkson now, yeah. a longtime Kansas City musician. So it was in the studio, it was a real simple thing. All we needed was time. He could, he could do it and get through all that. So. <laughs> he just needs time to play the songs. Well, sometimes you know you gotta, you gotta do it again, do it again, see if you get it right. With having Lester in there, you wouldn't have to do it again, right. do it again, because he got it right first or second time every time. So we could move on and fix whatever the other guys needed to fix. Along with the vocal overdubs, and, and we've got strings on it, and, and horns, and... You mix this on a desk? Is it in Pro Tools, or, I mean... It actually, it, we mixed it at uh, Connor Ober's studio, and Mike Moga's studio in, in Omaha, ARC. I've had a long relationship with those guys, and it was, it was uh, mixed by Ben Brodine on a, a vintage 70s API in the beer. Actually... I know Ben. Mostly, he's a friend of a friend, but we, uh, our friend Jill, is the the point of connection there. Yeah. So Ben, uh, he makes this record at, at that on that API desk in the B room at ARC, and uh, then Ben actually recorded our second record. We we did the same thing. We took that band, uh, and, and he ends up playing drums on the, oh, nice. the whole. The second record is all Ben Brodine on drums. Plus, he's the recording engineer. <laughs> so that was a, it's a good story there that uh, uh, we had cut the whole record at ARC with Ben, and then I went up and did a session with him because I was working on a couple of tracks for us, and Ben played drums on it, and we said, man, we really love the way he plays, so we ended up cutting, recutting all the drums on the record with Ben wow. playing. <laughs> Is this a original? Yes, this is an original. You and me against the moon, and this was this is one that Garrett had been doing for a long time, and he just presented to my sister and I, and you know we kind of put our spin on it, and the rest is history on this song. We still play this song in the full band. My music so got a lot. Oh, go ahead, man. Oh, I was just going to ask about the lyrics uh, on this one. Was it you or was it Maria? Both of us, yeah. The, my lyric writing got a lot better when Maria started uh, <laughs> editing it. <laughs> That's got to be pretty cool, though. Like just having a writing partner all the time. It goes a long way, I think. If you, like I said, I think the songs got better. And she started mailing in addendums to them, you know. <laughs> uh, they got, they did get better. I think when you see some of the most successful songs out there, they, they usually you know partnerships and yeah, you know, not always, but you know it certainly helps us, helps me. Except for when I don't like it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Garrett, are you doing? Are you writing all the instrumentation? Or are you guys writing that together? Like, are the musicians coming in and kind of like f- 
filling in where they need to fill in? How does that go? Yeah, so on this, the trumpet player on this scored the horns. And it's, and so he did score the horns on this. But yeah, mostly the music uh, was written by me. Um, this is Besame Mucho, so this is, this yes. is what it isn't, but, and this That's is just straight ask. up. But, you know, in a song like this, the musicians put their own take on it and, and kind of decide what they're playing. We didn't score and write out the bass parts and the guitar parts. They just came in and felt it and did what they thought was necessary. Um, on that first record, though, Jason Riley, our guitar player at the time, he scored the strings for us, and he did all the string arrangements, and um, the trumpet scored all the horns, because I don't have those skills. I love this song, Maria. Oh, I'm actually like so tired of singing it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes up, I'm like, ah, oh, I sang that song like feels like 500 times. Is this your purple rain? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like fun to play. I mean, it's fun to play with the band, and it's fun to listen to. But when it comes up, I'm like, do we really have to do this one again? <laughs> I think a lot of people like to hear it. I know. I, I, when we don't play it or when it's not on the set, I remember one time I took it off. We were playing at Knuckleheads, and at the end, people were like, What about Bessie Mucha? <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, Okay, let's bring it back for the encore. Did you jump straight from from your first family band into Maria the Mexican, or, or fill in the gap for me? What what happened? What were you doing prior to Maria the Mexican? Well, I started in the mariachi band when I was 11, and I was actually this, also the same for my sister. She's three years older than me, and we performed until our early 20s, um, and then you know my sister actually moved to Chicago and. We were just kind of in our college years and, you know, later at that point, like my grandmother just, she was just too old to perform in the mariachi. And so we, we dabbled a little bit in a couple other ensembles, um, pretty much just performing covers in Topeka, Kansas, where we're from. And then I also performed in a blues band for a couple years. And then I met Garrett and he was the one that you know, kind of had this idea to create Maria the Mexican. So I kind of explored a few different genres in between the mariachi um, and Maria the Mexican, but I never stopped playing. I don't ever think I will. So on your YouTube page, you were playing like um, uh, kind of like in the living room or something like that. Yeah, we did a couple Facebook live shows. Uh, how did you? During the how was that? <laughs> I think Garrett probably wanted to. Hey, you know. 
<laughs> well, I know that he never ever wants to do one again. Um, yeah, we had a couple. I mean, some of them were great, but just due to internet and just things coming up, troubleshooting, uh, there was a couple not so great moments. Uh, I definitely would prefer to perform live and in person. <laughs> oh, for sure. So now we're on to um, South of the Border Moonlight. Is that right? That is correct. This is Carried Away, which is the first song off of South of the Border Moonlight. Again, this is one of my favorite songs. Um, Garrett wrote this song one day, like, didn't take him long. And just came downstairs and was like, listen to this. And it brought me to tears. Um, and then, fun fact, the we actually... This song was performed at our wedding by Kelly Hunt. Oh, oh yes. wow. The piano Kelly Hunt. Yes. <laughs> Not the other one. <laughs> you gotta get married to have her play one of these songs. <laughs> I'm sure the other Kelly Hunt would sound awesome on the song. I'm well. sure too, yeah. The other Kelly Hunt. They're both Kelly Hunt. <laughs> they both have the same manager. instrumentation on this one is, is really nice. Yeah, a little mandolin over on my right, I think. Yeah, that's Connor Overs' mandolin. <laughs> <laughs> but then we also have uh, the cellist is Johnny Eady from the Kansas City Symphony, so we, we have a good connection to that. Where we have Christine Grossman playing the, the viola and violin, and then Johnny Eady playing the cello. So that was that's good. Yeah, that's what it's worth doing. So how long did it take to put together this record? So, you know, a year at least, but it was the same thing. We went to, uh, we started it, Maria and I went to Mexico for a month, and, and uh, that's when we sort of wrote the record while she was taking yoga school classes, and I was staying home, you know, for four hours a day working in the morning. And then we went to the studio to ARC, we cut the whole record in two days with the, all the rhythm tracks. Um, we did a few overdubs in Kansas City, but um, in the vocals, we went back up there, so we were done pretty pretty quickly with it. But then, like I said, we went back and recut all the drums over two days with Ben Brodin. Because we'd heard him play the drums and heard the sound that we got through that, we were asking Royce that that, uh, that, that vintage API, and then ARC had this old school uh, Ludwig kit and it sounded 
really great. We would love to send it. So they said, let's recut this whole thing. But we mixed it in, uh, in Burlington, Vermont, with a guy named Chad Zeller that we uh, met in Mexico. That um, he has a studio in San Pancho, Mexico, just north of Puerto Vallarta. We called him up and, and said, if we're going to be in Mexico for a couple of, you know, a month and a half or so, let's go into a studio. We just end up running into the same guy that, <laughs> that uh, set up uh, the farmhouse studio with Trey Anastasio that was partners with him. And he recorded the uh, Oysterhead record. Or those two records were Stuart Copeland and Grace Potter. And it just turns out, and he ended up mixing it. So. It's not too late to shake the tree. This was one that Garrett wrote, um, and I just immediately fell in love with. Should get out of here. This is the title track off the album "South of the Border." We used to play with the guitarist Jason Riley and Garrett mentioned it. I love his guitar solo in this. delay that kind of gives it something a little different, you know? And then brushes. So how is that? I love doing it. Yeah. It's like, it really, it's like, I feel like it's a good, um, like, brain challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot easier if we, like, think of the harmonies before we go into the studio, which we don't often do, because I'll do, I'll sing a song and then hear it, and then, you know, the audio or the engineer will be like, okay, we'll do this, and I'm like, okay, hold on, I need to think about this, I need to practice it. <laughs> But I think it's really fun. It's like a good challenge. I like to be challenged and it's really nice when it sounds right and it's when you hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Maria is a musician that she's one of the musicians that hears melody really well. You know, like some musicians are, you know, virtuosos with their with dexterity and speed on their instrument or they have incredible range or they're 
you know, they have just boisterous voices, but she has a lot of that, but hears the melody really well. I remember. Um, unlike, it's uncanny how well she does, so it's almost seamless we once we figure out what we're doing. Yeah, this is another tune off of that second album, South of the Border Moonlight. This song is called Back in the Day, and one of the weird songs that he has had forever that he played for me that I was drawn to. Tessa's on um, backup harmony, and actually the current um, drummer in our band, Kelly White, I always remember he, he says like this is one of his most favorite songs, so. Mm -hmm. We always try to include it in there. Back in the day. Um, the keys on the last song and this song, who was playing those? This is this is Chaz Eller, the mix engineer. Um, okay. He was the keyboard player with the band Kilimanjaro. Okay. Now, if you know that, if if you remember that band, but they were kind of a fusion. I don't. Fusion jazz thing. He played with Paul Butterfield, Butterfield blues band. He's the guy who was partners with Trey Anastasio in that farmhouse studio that it's Trey's. But okay. he was also the mix engineer. You know, there was a grand piano right there. So yeah, I really like the piano part on the on this song. about the last song. What was the last one? Sounded like there was a little uh, tip of the cap to the doors at the very end. Yeah. I can't remember. It's quite likely my my original scratch tracks on the keyboards made it. <laughs> if we can't remember who it was. Oh, and there's an accordion on this one. Oh yeah, that's Ken. Ken Lover. So that's who plays it on the south of the border. Okay. It's Ken. It's a rose, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm jumping back, but Maria, it's, it seems to me like, in addition to your ear for melody, you seem like a real storyteller with your voice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that comes a lot from the mariachi music and that background because, you know, those songs, much like other genres, but in particular mariachi, they're love songs, they're songs of heartbreak, you know, songs of drinking tequila in the bar, missing your lost lover, or very joyous songs of, you know, coming together and kind of communal songs. There are times when somebody would take a solo in mariachi, but then there are songs where everybody in the band would sing the whole song together. And you know, there's always a story to tell for sure. Yeah, so this is uh, one of the new tunes. Speaking it's of stories. Yeah. <laughs> tell us. Love yeah, that first how, line. How did this one come about? 
yeah, so obviously the lyrics are very important to me and, you know, the band, I think, in this song. Last call. Mexicans there you go. and Americans. Um, this song was, it came from a song that Garrett wrote a long time ago called Medicine Man. And I loved Medicine Man. And then he was like, one day he was just like, what if we say Mexicans are Americans? And we kept singing <laughs> it over again, over and over again. And uh, it just stuck. And you know, I mean, if you listen to the lyrics, like the first line is, if you build a wall, we're going to tear it down. It's a song about unity. It's a song about loving your neighbor, what that really means. And, you know, that's not what has been happening in our political climate for some time, especially in the last few years. And so this is just kind of like our commentary on that. And it was so cool when we were in Mexico. This is... Um, Julio Cabrera singing. Uh, I was gonna ask. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. So yeah, we we were working on this album in San Pancho and um, Chaz knew Julio. I knew that I wanted to have. Um, we wrote that Spanish interlude, and I knew I wanted to have um, you know Mexican native sing it. Uh, I thought it would be super cool to have a guy sing it, a male, from a male perspective. And so we brought him in. He was blind, by the way. Um, one of the coolest, you know, people we've met, I think. And he killed it. And it's really cool to listen to our voices together. Uh, another fun fact about this song, we later took it to Austin and worked with um, Eldridge Goins, and he totally changed the feel of the song. We redid all of the rhythm tracks, uh, but we kept Julio's vocal. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how those drums came about on this track. Was it all, I mean, like, was this the original no. idea for the drums? This was the original idea. Well, the, the song is a little skippier, a little bit more, it was a little bit more abracadabra-ish or whatever. We went to Austin and the producer straightened it out. He wanted it straightened out. And it changed the feel of what we were playing to this considerably. And he had just a, a cajon backbeat to it. And we tracked the whole thing with a cajon backbeat. Uh, then we, we had almost everything on the horns, the organs, everything in the studio in Austin. And, and then uh, I sent a song to Lester Estelle in Nashville, and he would cut the drums, the, the cajon part. Same with this song here. Uh, the producer played the drums in his home studio as a backing beat, and Lester came in and played the drums on the back. Yeah, this is another single we recently released called Bottle of Wine. Yeah, I'm glad it's out there because I was like, this is totally my date night song from now on. I love that. But also, just Maria singing, singing harmony to herself. Guitar 
this is uh, Jimmy Graves from Austin, Texas, and he just sent us a text message that he was on stage this weekend with uh, Nicky Lang and Lana Del Rey. <laughs> The straight people. snare does give it like a kind of a cool tension though, kind of a push-pull, right? With the, you know, you've got some percussion that's kind of kind of swinging, and then the snare is straight, and there's, I get it, there's some energy in that tension. Yeah, he did that to all the songs that we did with him. He, they were all kind of more swimmy, um, more jam bandish, and he, he basically said no. <laughs> that's what's up though I mean uh, you just go along with the process see how it goes and I mean how did that he presented the idea and everybody just jumped on it it was just Maria and I sitting with him and then Maria would take off and I'd sit with him and just track the yeah I think this he recorded this solo at like 5 a.m. It's just me playing the guitar and with the, with the drum machine, just mapping out the song. And then we went from there. Still I can feel you play. Guys wrote this together? Yeah. Gary started it many, many years ago. Yeah, it's a, a songwriting partner of mine and Gary Lynn from Omaha. Kind of came out of our, our Colorado group probably 20 years ago as the song has been kicking around and kicking around different forms one another. So. Yeah, this is uh, the newest one. It's called Bit of Save. Yeah. Barry Sax? Yeah, that's uh, interesting. The personnel about the record sometimes gets interesting. That's Brad Hauser from Edie Burkell and the New Bohemians, the oh, original cool. bass player, and still the bass, <laughs> and still the bass player. He's playing bass on this as well. Stay strong and keep he was just on uh, the uh, the Tonight Show two weeks ago with Edie Burkell because she's back out there. Well, that's interesting. But this whole this whole crew is that Austin crew. The producer wanted to okay. use, and so it was Brad Hauser on bass. But this is uh, just the producer playing Cajon only. So there's no drum kit on this. What? I'm waiting here for you. It's you and me together till the Just keep moving on. World premiere right here, fellas. 
That's right. That's I'm right. Forgot to say something. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> We talked about mariachi and funk, but or sorry, we talked about mariachi and rock, but this has like a funk, a real funk yeah. feel. I know. I feel like that has surfaced from the beginning and, you know, definitely comes more from Garrett. And then the producer in Austin, yeah, he would just like pull out these funky grooves and I love them. They go, they uh, <laughs> translate very well when we play live too. Yeah. Yeah, the first time I listened to it, I didn't hear your lyrics. I just started rapping <laughs> right away. <laughs> I've been playing this song in one form or another since I was 17. <laughs> That's what's up. And it's just been this and that. It's called this and that. It really didn't come together until, you know, Maria took a crack at what it was supposed to be a song. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. I'm very disappointed there's no more music to this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I feel like that went really fast, actually. It did go fast, yeah, but I mean, there's more in the works, right? So yeah, uh, you, we've got something to look forward to. Yes, and uh, like I said, we've been working on this last album for about five years, so we are really ready to uh, wrap it up. And, you know, with the whole COVID thing, it definitely put, uh, you know, we took a pause on some of the stuff we were working on, but we are almost done recording and uh, we just have a few more vocal sessions to do and then we'll get it mixed and mastered. And we didn't really know if we wanted to put out another full length album. We you know, thought about just releasing mm-hmm. singles, which we did with those first two, but uh, we'll see. I think by now we just really want to get it out and let people hear it. Yeah. We also took our crew to ARC with Ben Brodeen and, so about to mention that it, it would be a fun, um, maybe another episode uh, for everyone to come on and talk about that whole experience, because that was, that was definitely fun. Yeah, so there is this sort of production that was started in Austin with those guys there, but we also, you know, we started with Rapport, we have this really stellar band, which Nate is part of, and so we... We do have what well, we do three songs now with uh, mm-hmm. with that with that whole crew on it. So it'll be a kind of a there'll be a dichotomy in the record, but a juxtaposition, I guess, and maybe what we're talking about of kind of sounds, but they fit very well together. Nice. Sounds like we'll get to nerd out on the sequencing then, because you'll have some interesting choices to make as far as how you how you sequence it. Yeah, we've been pounding on the mix engineer about. This is, you know, they have to fit together really well. And there's a, there's a real nice, I think, seamless transition between the music and, and the sounds that, that we have. Mm-hmm. It would be fun for you to listen and guess which, which songs uh, 
Nate is on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I think whenever it comes out for sure, I mean, I I would hope that we're still doing uh, this podcast in some form. I mean, it might be maybe, you know, we're actually, you know, in the same place, space, you know, listening on the same system or something. But um, whenever that record comes out, I think that would be fun to, to sit down and listen to it and and try to just maybe see if there's differences that you can tell between um, when and where or whatever the, the recordings happened. Or how. I think we can commit to it. I mean, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever shape the show is in, Maria, when the album comes out, open invitation, we'll get together and, uh, and we'll chop it up about the, the full length or, you know, however you decide to present it. I'm down. Count us in. Yay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this was fun. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell us? I mean, uh, I think you have a couple show uh, shows are starting to come back. We're recording this early April. You know, so it's starting to look like uh, shows will be starting to happen kind of, um, you know, this summer. Uh, so yeah. do you want to tell us about any what you have planned shows if you're releasing more singles or, you know, what's going on in, in Maria World? Yeah, we are performing um, at the Folly Theater in Kansas City on May 6th. I do believe, um, you know, due to COVID, I think there's only 20 tickets for sale. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, they will either be live streaming that or it will be presented um, in video form for more people to watch. Uh, following that, on May 7th, we're going to Chicago uh, to play at a place called Hey Milne. So it'll be um, our second Chicago gig. First one being the very first time I ever played with Garrett. <laughs> a long time ago, we played a four-hour mariachi gig. Um, so we're excited to go there. And that these gigs are uh, just with myself, Garrett, and our guitar player, Mark Murtha, who also plays the steel guitar. Just due to COVID, you know, having the full man, we're, we're slowly moving back there. We will be performing June 22nd, which is a Tuesday, in Topeka at the Jayhawk Theater um, for a Visit Topeka event. Um, and one other kind of fun thing that is happening, there is a statue being built to honor my grandmother um, in Topeka at the Energy Plaza. And we're currently in kind of a fundraising stage for that. There's a request, you know, out for that funding and uh, $5 of the ticket price for that Topeka show uh, will go towards the funding for the statue. um, And they're hoping to have that done by September of this year, 2021. And so we will certainly be playing at some sort of, you know, presentation and celebration of her statue so that is what's coming up also finishing the album we will probably release another single if not two and uh wrap that up (laughs) and just you know just can't wait to get back i would love to get a gig going in lawrence um and just Mm -hmm. and just get back with the full band we're just now getting back to practicing together and uh it's it's gonna be really really nice to uh, perform again and, you know, be on stage again and just be together again because I love music and I love, you know, being around people and performing well. 
Very cool. Nate, um, make sure we're going to get the link to the uh, fundraiser for uh, yes, uh, the statue in the show notes so that people have a direct link to, if they want to contribute to I was about to, to say, that. well, we can link to um, either the calendar or mention the shows, but definitely to the fundraiser, and um, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Okay, definitely. And thank you for yeah. having us. Obviously, you know, we've done a lot more things like this due to COVID, and it's also very nice to connect with people online through these types of right. you know outlets and nope. media so thank you for inviting us and well, sorry it took us a little on. bit to get all set no. up and ready. Uh, thank you. <laughs> well it'll be interesting to see how much things change once things get back to normal whatever it's going to be like if people will still want to do more of this type of thing or it'll be more you know that, hey, let's just get together in the same place and, and do this. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I think it'll be a kind of a mix of both, for sure. Yeah. Outstanding. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Garrett. Bye, guys. Yeah, Thank definitely. You Thank you, guys. We'll see everybody later. It's been a long play listening party.